This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Orange Hatter. Today, you're listening to part three of my conversation with Jules. Yeah, I um, want to give a shout out to Bay Area Bitcoiners. That's the, the local uh, meetup group that I'm a part of, and I host the Peninsula location. If there's any females out there that want to check it out, we're not intimidating at all. It's a very casual thing, very friendly group. Check it out. So can you give us an idea of what a typical Bitcoin meetup uh, meeting would look like at, at your club? At mine, it's we have it at the same bar. It's like an outdoor casual area. Sometimes we we'll have presentations. Like the reason I went to Bitcoin meetups was to ask questions. And it was very intimidating. The first one I went to was in San Francisco and I always had an excuse not to go. It was too far or I don't want to park there or, I, you know, it was very intimidating as a female because, you know, it's going to be mostly men and, you know, I didn't have any technical knowledge, um, but I just wanted to ask questions and it's different to kind of ask these questions online, right? Twitter is kind of scary. So I really wanted to go, but I just always had an excuse. And then one week my sister was in town. I dragged her. Yeah, it was very intimidating because it was like a group that I've never met before. But everyone was so nice and so welcoming. So I decided to, so um, Billy, who kind of organized the whole thing, he wanted to do different locations. And he asked if anyone wanted to do the Peninsula one. And I volunteered because I know how intimidating it can be for women. So I, I kind of thought if, if I'm the host, then it'll be less intimidating. But so, yeah, so for mine, we just kind of hang out and talk. And then sometimes I arrange presentations so that everyone can kind of get some like baseline, baseline knowledge about something and then ask questions. So we've had stuff on uh, like mining, home mining, presentations on lightning, on ordinals. Um, the most recent one was like a Bitcoin needle chart. It was really fun, actually. Um, so we'll have like a short presentation and a Q&A and then people just kind of spread out and talk. Or just, or like last month, it was just no presentation, just hanging out and talking. People always ask questions. Yeah. So your meetup specifically meets once a month. Once a month. Yeah. And we have in our, in the Bay Area, there's like eight different locations. So there's one like going on pretty much all any week of the month. Cool. So going forward, um, do you have any recommendations for other moms who are looking to introduce Bitcoin to their children? For sure. I, <laughs> I strongly encourage it. Um, and I think just start with just talking about money. Don't get into technicals because, you know, even for adults, it's just like you just, your eyes just glaze over. And it's like, I don't know. So I think just keep it very simple and, and kind of talk about money and maybe the history of money and how it got debased and how now it's like backed by nothing. I think encourage kids to think about it. You know, I don't think they're, they're encouraged to think about it at all at school. Except for budgeting, I think. I think when they think money, they think how to teach your kids to budget. And that is a completely different conversation. I don't think they'd learn that till high school. They don't? Uh, well, my daughter hasn't learned anything about that. Okay. 
so I, I think I think in high school, like you start kind of learning about like taxes and stuff like that. But but again, it's like they don't know like that there's this money creation going on, and you're forced to work harder. I mean, I think everyone just thinks like, well, at least my daughter thinks, oh, I have to go to college so I could get a good job. You know, and what what's a good job to you? Like something that makes a lot of money. You know, so it's just kind of just ingrained in them that. They have to make a lot of money, otherwise you suffer. You know, you pay nine dollars a dozen of eggs, <laughs> right? Which I guess is true, <laughs> which is true. But it's like we should kind of question why we have to make so much money, you know, versus doing what you enjoy or or doing something that is helpful to people and society. That is so true. I when I did that presentation to the homeschoolers, I was looking for statistics that show something that is, that that the kids can relate to. So, I think if I remember correctly, in in the nineteen seventies, it takes five times the average household income, five to ten times the average household income to buy a average house. So five to ten years of working or something. Today, in the big cities, anyway. It's at least a hundred times the house price is at least a hundred times more than the average income level, which means you have to work for a hundred years <laughs> to buy a house. Wow! And when you think of it that way, you know, I I was looking at the the kids in the audience because they came with their parents, and their eyes were like, "What?" <laughs> That's why you have to make a lot of money. That's why you have to, you know. Be like so income driven instead of goal driven or mission driven. It, it's a it's a it's very difficult. I think for me because my my four kids are just entering adulthood. It's so difficult for me to figure out how to guide them anymore, because their world is so different from my world when I when I finished college. But I tell them about Bitcoin, and it's kind of like what we were mentioning before. Until they feel the need for it. It's just fringe knowledge, even for my kids. Even though Scott and I are in Bitcoin education, we talk to people all the time about Bitcoin. For our kids, it's still fringe knowledge because they don't need it yet. So we are forcing them to participate. But you know, once we stop forcing them, you know what I mean? Like you, you can force your kids up to a certain point. When they are younger, if you convince them from the time they're twelve years old, by the time they're eighteen, they have that base knowledge and they can make a more balanced judgment. But my kids, we did, Scott and I didn't enter the Bitcoin space until they were already in their late teens. So they've already had a certain set of expectations that we help instill in them because that was our understanding of how the world worked. So now they have to, I guess, just get to the point in their lives where they feel like it is a necessary part. And then I know that I mean they know that they can come to us at any time to ask questions. But yeah, that's just everybody has their own journey. You know, to get to that that Bitcoin rabbit hole. So, yeah, it is, and it's definitely a journey. I think everyone, it's like the proof of work thing, right? You have to, you have to put in the work, and then it's there, and you have to be patient. I always tell my friends, like, give yourself at least like a hundred hours. It's not easy, and it's it's a journey. Baby steps. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any last、um, comments for our audience before we wrap up? Don't get discouraged、uh, when it gets confusing. Just 
just be patient. And I think it's worth learning about and it's kind of life-changing. So just keep trying, <laughs> just keep doing it, keep learning. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking with us today and sharing your story and your recommendations and big shout out to your Bitcoin meetup group in the Bay Area. And we'll sign off now. Thank you. Thank you, Tali. I hope listening to this conversation has piqued your interest and inspired you. If you would like to learn more about Bitcoin or to read the show notes, please visit orangehatter.com for more information. Or you can email me directly at tali, T-A-L-I, at orangehatter.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Orange Hatter podcast so you'll be notified when new episodes drop. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.